Welcome back to the Coaching Kernan Podcast Network. I'm Dave D'Agostino, and I am happy to present our first show of 2023, and we are with our star of the show, Sal Marinello, and the, the show you're listening today is the Hot Corner with Coach Sal here. A little bit different order than we've normally had. We're mixing and matching in 2023. Episode 96 of the Coaching Kernan Podcast Network, as I said. Some things I want our audience to, to pay attention to as we move into 2023 our 9,000 faithful listeners now, if you can please, when you listen to the show, download, listen, like, and subscribe. That way we get credit for it on our platform. Uh, we're keeping it ad-free and sponsor-free for you guys so you can get straight content the whole time. You can find us on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher. Also, we've expanded our social media. We've gone from just Twitter to now we're on Facebook and Instagram. I can't tell you how dizzy I am from seeing what goes on Facebook and Instagram. I now understand a lot of our problems that our listeners are sending in out much better, Sal, much better than I have before just looking at that stuff. So uh, welcome back to the show. Happy 2023. I know you had a good Christmas and a good new year. We talked over the break, but uh, good to have you back. Great to be here. I've been uh, chomping at the bit to get going and, and starting on our, you know, not new direction, but on our direction for this year. Yeah. And why don't you give the audience a little bit of how we're going to approach this year? We had a great first year. I guess it was a half a year. We started mid-May with our, our very first show and really got into it where we were, you know, we, we shared our experiences. We took some cues from the audience. Uh, we, we took them in a direction of building a better baseball IQ. But after, you know, half a year now, we've gotten some more direction from our audience, what's needed out there, and we're ready to give it to them. So share a little bit about what your show is going to be geared toward in 2023. So I've always been kind of outside the mainstream with my approach to not just the training for athletes, but it really started with my training with my, you know, everyday client, because if you look at what's been going on in the fitness field, it's just the same recycled garbage for 50 plus 60 years, almost, you know, the revolution in the field of fitness happened in the early seventies when Arnold Schwarzenegger came on the scene and was this dynamic personality and brought this crazy, you know, niche, uh, almost cult-like sport of bodybuilding that was done in like art galleries and small venues to, you know, to the worldwide audience and bodybuilding became fitness. And, you know, we could do, Dave, we could do weeks of shows on how that's the opposite. And bodybuilding is one of the worst things that's ever happened to the fitness business. But what I will say is if you go back into the, into the fifties, back in the days when the United States was a powerhouse in weightlifting um, at the Olympic level and before drugs took over, um, you know, bo uh, bodybuilding was non-existent. It wasn't until bodybuilding and powerlifting started to in interject itself into the fitness culture that things kind of went on, went off the rails. And we've been uh, obsessed with what people look like instead of what their performance is. So, you know, it slowly but surely eroded our good habits. Uh, on top of that, and, uh, you know, I don't want to be, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. If you look at the statistics of public health, you know, certainly from the 70s, the, the public health policies that have been in place have actually created the problems that we're contending with now with heart disease, uh, obesity, type 2 diabetes, uh, and, and a, a variety of issues, and to the point where we have childhood diabetes. So we're, we're lost, Dave. It's, you know, you know, it's a Tower of Babel situation. You go on social media and you have 10 people saying 10 different things all incorrect in one way or another, whether it's about general fitness or about performance training. 
and enough is enough. Now we're we're in a bad spot, and I don't want to be um, you know the sky is falling, but we're in a bad spot because it, you have to question everything you hear. And I'm not setting myself up as a authority set and tell people they have to listen to me. But what I am telling people to do is you have to start treating uh, fitness as your number one hobby and a hobby that requires you to do some work, both uh, mentally and physically. And it starts with reading books and you need to start. And, you know, what I like to say is I'm at least a reference and can give people starting points. And from that, those starting points, I want people to make up their own minds, gather some facts, then we can have a discussion, not just this again, Tower of Babel nonsense, where you go to an Instagram post and they say, eat this, don't eat that, do this exercise, don't do that exercise, without any critical thought or discussion behind it. Yeah, I think you hit on a couple of key points. That's a problem out there with, there's so much input nowadays. Uh, as, I, as I mentioned, we just put ourselves on Facebook and Instagram. And personally, I'm opposed to all of it. I I like to be first principle and for audience first principle, just have original thoughts. And it's, it's harder and harder nowadays because, you know, as you encourage our audience, Sal, each time you give them references outside of you to, to look at and encourage them to do their own homework, it's harder and harder for people to kind of push that input aside because that's their, their trigger. That becomes their dopamine, um, that, that click, that like, as opposed to going out there and jumping rope or, or running. Yeah. And, you know, there is just, again, no one, there's no, um, and it's, it's not just happening in fitness. We could go on a discussion about society at large, but there's no uh, bedrock anymore of an understanding that we can at least start from a decent position, even amongst professionals. You know, you go on and, I, you know, one of my bugaboos is the bench press. The bench press is a meaningless exercise and it's been uh, put into this position of importance that's just, it's ridiculous to me. Uh, and again, there's here's my stat, and and let the the people who are pro bench press justify. Not one guy at the, not one quarterback at the NFL Combine uh, did the bench press last year. Um, but yet, yet there's still article among article upon article about or or post about upon post about the bench press and how you can use it to make whoever it is better. It, it's just ridiculous. And and you know what? It goes with the general fitness aesthetics crowd too. You know, there's this there's this subculture of glute workouts, you know, make your butt bigger and better. And it's total BS. It's not based on sound mechanics. It's all girls, mostly girls, young girls, women that either have big butts, they have implants, they wear what we call the miracle fa fabric spandex that makes these butts look great. And they're doing stuff that really, of course, it works the butt because you're doing some exercises on your feet and you're using your legs. So you're your glutes have to have to work, but it's not responsible for these, you know, these glutes that you're seeing and these workouts that I see in the gym, women spend hours upon hours on. And, and it's just from there, you could you could take any exercise and do the same thing. We've talked about planks. People spend a 45 minute workout doing plank variations where it has no crossover to anything we do in, in real life. So, again, we have to get, you know, and so I not to get too far afield, but I've put up a post on my um, Substack last night that 2023 is the year we have to start taking control of our health and fitness. And that includes our kids. If there's parents out there, kids who are training for sport. Yeah. 
No, I agree. It's it's become about influence over excellence. And as you're talking about kids doing sport, I'm I'm in my office right now looking out one of the, the windows and we, we do homeschool, as you know, and I'm very big on self-teaching. I think a lot of what we have out there, uh, overcoached, undertaught kids, parents nowadays are over the top of these kids nonstop, uh, showing them how to do everything from, you know, wiping their nose to eating their food to, to doing their exercises. And these kids can't teach themselves anymore. I've got four kids outside right now. One of them's doing their shooting workout. One of them's hitting off the tee. Uh, the other one's doing their soccer touches and the fourth one's jumping rope. And they've all got their routines they're doing. Their job's to police themselves and police each other. And I'm watching them now interact. And how much of that's missing out there? Is is that a problem with the kids today that you're seeing? As, you know, you're, you're getting a lot of kids come in. Um, how many of them are, would you say, would be self-teachers in that regard? It's a huge problem. I mean, again, I have... I think my guys, my I have three boys. My oldest is uh, out of college a year and working. My other two are in college. They're freshmen. One plays uh, Division One lacrosse, and they did a fair amount of work on their own. But they never went out and played on a regular basis with buddies. Everything was organized, and you know the kids who are self starters like yourself, like your kids, are going to do it to a point. But then. The problem is everybody else. You still need a group to go out and play uh, sandlot baseball, even if you're doing, you know, we used to play to one side of the field because we had, you know, what, 10 guys and you, you need to split it up. Uh, you could play half court hoops, three on three. But if you don't have six people, you know, you're you're in trouble. And same thing lacrosse. What I will say lacrosse is interesting is I would say close to basketball is like that too. But lacrosse is one of those sports. If you're not out there on your own doing stuff, you're, you're falling behind because there is probably more you can do in that sport um, to improve yourself uh, and, and that you have to do to improve yourself than any other sport just to develop your stick skills. Uh, yeah. I guess you could maybe even equate it to, to hitting, you know, you need to, be, you need to, you know, you could spend a lot of time in the cage. I, I don't think it has the same um, point of, uh, of diminishing returns as throwing does. I think we've talked about this ad nauseum, you know, there's a, there's a point at which you have to be careful with how much throwing with how much throwing you do. So um, it is a huge problem, and there's no free play. You know, like I said to you, forget about sports. There's no kids going out and playing, you know, hide-and-seek, you know, all those games we used to play running around at the playground when you were a younger kid. And, and, and here's one thing I'll talk about, and then you take it back to you. We talk about how our public health policy is, has really caused these problems. You know, you have these educational departments, whether it's uh, nationally or – or our Department of Education or, or state to state that have cut back on phys ed to spend more time teaching standardized test work. And that's just ridiculous because we have childhood obesity through the roof, and yet we're worried about test scores. And there's no recognition that we have to treat people as a whole, not just as they could be a student and that's going to take care of everything else, or just as, as much as you can't just make your kid an athlete and that's going to take care of everything else. So we're really failing our kids. Yeah, no, it's a, that's the point you make well with the, the free play is I'm trying, we want high agency kids. I'm going to videotape it today. I'll put it on social media. I'll prostitute the kids out there um, to make a point, but we'll have 20, 25 kids in our front yard, backyard, side yards, neighbor's yard. We're, we're in four corner lots here, the four houses. And yesterday there was football going on in our backyard. There was, basketball going on in the front. There was a wiffle ball game going across and we're trying to promote that a little bit more. We have a sign up there, no parents allowed um, huh. with it. So it's uh, we're kind of playing off, off of uh, what we're talking about. 
Well, you're the catalyst, which is good. And, and you know, I, I think I've mentioned this on one of the other shows. There, I have colleagues that were involved in the U.S. ski and snowboard program. Um, one was the head of it, and the other was a coordinator in, in, in charge of, you know, training the athletes. And it was an interesting paradox, or I don't know if it's a paradox, but a problem they had. That was a sport that was developed in a coachless environment. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Along with skateboarding. You know, there's no coaches. Kid it's it's the athletes, the kids, the males, the females out there on their own, trying, failing, succeeding. And now they're trying to pigeonhole the sport into the traditional model of okay, now we have a training center and now we have training time and we're taking you off your apparatus and we're putting you into a, a non specific environment. And it they had a hard time with it and they had a they did make some changes to to uh, acknowledge that, but there's a lot that's been written about that sport and about uh, the skateboard uh, crowd. That it's, it's a totally coachless environment, and it's been expanding and exploding and be- becoming more difficult because these these kids really are kids doing it on their own. I think that when the kid when kids do that. And I notice more kids become more creative and I, I use the word genius lightly, but when they get over, over coached like that, and you're talking snowboarding and, and uh, skateboarding, they're, they're allowed to use creativity and genius in their sport. And that's when the sport grows. Uh, and, and I think we're, you know, we, we kind of take it back to, you, you'd mentioned the diabetes before to kind of circle back there. Um, you know, with, with something like disease like that, it's really simple, correct? I mean, I'm not a doctor, you're not a doctor, but the way people eat um, and the way people take care of their lymphatic system, their, their, their heart, is that not the root of all right now as far as outside of you know the men, your mental state, but your I, lymphatic I, system and your, and your diet intake, does that not start? I mean, you can't outwork a bad diet. Well, that's, that's, that's true. I, you know, and there's, th- there's three pillars. You know, the, every, the problem with all of this and even in, in these books that I really enjoy, you get the sense that everyone is trying to make their specialty the most important. So exercise to me is not the most important. Um, it's, I think you have the three pillars and then we could, you know, if you want to be wonky policymakers and argue which should be the foundation or if there is a foundation, I think you have eating, sleeping, uh, and breathing. Those are your three main functions. And, uh, if you want to go by how those actions are viewed, the Guinness Book of World Record no longer will accept uh, attempts for sleep deprivation, but they still let you, people hold their breath. Uh, so I think that I, I think that tells you something about what probably is one of the most important, if not the most important, functions we can have. But I, I would agree with you: eating, sleeping. Are, are, and most people don't think about breathing as being important, but we have dysfunction in our breathing, which l- leads to a whole bunch of other problems. You could probably, I'm, I'm not the expert, obviously, but you could probably say that eating and sleeping problems contribute to the breathing problems. Um, so, you know, those are your big three, though, in my mind. And, and Dave, the books I've recommended and I have in my curriculum in my business, uh, it's all based on the premise I'm giving you stuff to read that's not going to make you spend any more time in your day or have to go to a gym because you could go work out but if you're eating poorly and not sleeping correctly and then you can't you're not breathing correctly the exercise is going to be way less effective than it should be 
Yeah, those are things that they forget about. <laughs> I would uh, that should be on Instagram and Facebook, right? People eating properly and, and sleeping and uh, and breathing. But I see that in the athletes. Um, when I was uh, coaching collegiately, I don't think I could get away with this nowadays. But um, I would keep track of what the kids were eating each day, not to the point of you know dictating, but making sure they've got enough calorie intake, enough protein that they're not doing a lot of sugars. But also I would ask them, this was any, any time we had a workout, I wanted to know, you know, what tests and exams they had today to kind of figure out the stresses. Cause that plays, plays into it. I wanted to see what they ate that day and the night before. And then I wanted to know how many hours they slept. And to me, that told me what kind of athlete I was going to get that day, where their mind was going to be. The breathing thing I noticed later in my career, took it for granted, probably like we all do. Cause we, we breathe, you know, and we just breathe naturally. But I notice when athletes struggle, um, when they're tense or their mechanics look off, a lot of times you could just go back to breathing. You say, hey, just breathe. And it's usually they're holding their breath. They're not breathing either on the proper movements or they're not breathing at all. Correct. And they're mouth breathing too much. You know, you need to... um... You need to breathe through your mouth as little as possible. Breathing through your mouth um, is reserved for like high intensity activities. And again, that let, let that'll be the first book we could talk about. Uh, everyone should, and we've talked about it on other shows. But again, I'm going to reinforce it. It's called The Oxygen Advantage by Oxygen Advantage by Patrick McCown or McEwen. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. And he he spells it out for you. There's very simple exercises. They give you the research. They give you the <clears throat> rhyme and reason about the uh, dysfunction that comes up from mouth breathing, both from a developmental standpoint and from a performance, a physical development standpoint and from a performance standpoint. I like that. I've actually ordered that book um, last week. You had mentioned it before. I had a list of books that you mentioned on the podcast since we started. So slowly but surely, I'm, I'm adding, I've gotten the Sal Marinello section of my my library here and you have your own legal, you have your own uh, manila folder. That's how you know you've gotten prominence wow. in, uh, in the D'Agostino house. Well, and, 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 and you know what? We talked about the foundational books. I think, you know, I've read a lot of these books that deal with the individual uh, aspects. And I think the, the book I just came across and finished was, is called the story of the human body. And it's by Daniel Lieberman, who was a, um, Oh geez. He's an anthropological biologist. So basically, he has studied the uh, biology of the human body um, through time and through through the lens of evolution. And um, it's an interesting uh, concept. And I'll leave you with this, and because it's a deep subject, and we will come back to it. But basically, our society is, and our cultural our culture has evolved faster than our biology has. So in other words, we have conditions that our bodies are not yet adjusted to. And a great example of the consequences, I'll give you a negative and a positive. A negative is type 2 diabetes. Uh, We have this excess of energy in food that people are eating and they're eating the wrong food. And we've created this disease that really never existed before because we never had this excess amount of energy. And our bodies were, are designed to store excess energy because of the millions of years that, you know, we evolved through. Um, so I was going to ask you, how much of that have we created on our own? You kind of got to it, but... We've created and, all of it. 
it's, and, it's, 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 he calls it, he calls it a mismatched disease. Have we done that in the fitness industry as well, as far as injuries? Well, I think so. You know, I would love to reach out to Professor Lieberman and get his take on, because that's what I think, you know, we've talked about the problems we've had in sport and why we're getting these injuries. And when he describes the conditions that exist to create this mismatched disease, I think there's certainly a case that could be made. We have these mis we have mismatched injuries. You know, we have these uh, ACL tears, non-contact ACL tears that now we're even seeing on grass fields. Kyler Murray, uh, for one, but I've seen, you know, I have um, uh, colleagues with soccer athletes play on grass, ACL non-contact injuries. There, so there's something going on. So I think for sure we've created that. And, 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 and Dave, what we're doing, and we've talked about this, we're treating the symptom. So we're now prescribing diabetes, not regular diabetes, but type 2 diabetes drugs to kids to help them lose weight when we know that a low-carbohydrate, low-sugar diet with a normal appropriate amount of calories will not only reduce type 2 diabetes, it will eliminate type 2 diabetes. But we're still we're still in a point where we're addressing symptoms. It would be like you have a runny nose and addressing fixing the runny nose, not worrying about that's a symptom of something else. Yeah, I'm a big proponent of food being my medicine. Not that I'm uh, opposed to to medicine in any way, but I, I, I'm a firm believer that diet goes if you if you can get your diet right. And there's no one you know. That's what I, I kind of get. I, I got caught up in social media the last day. I just wanted to get familiar with it. I'm like the, the last man standing, I think, on Facebook and Instagram. But uh, I was just overloaded with all these food experts and exercise experts and forget about the sports stuff. I mean, that was ridiculous. Everybody's the doctor or the the whisperer or whatever it may be. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm a big proponent of that. I think a lot of these issues can be solved as the, the three basics you said. And that's my adage. The kids laugh. They're like, People ask, what's your philosophy on life? Said, I eat when I'm hungry, I sleep when I'm tired. Yeah, and, and especially kids. You know, kids, uh, we're like, like Professor Lieberman says in the book, we are passing on the environment to our kids that's responsible for this. Our kids, where do they get their eating habits from? From us. So you can't blame that on a kid. And now, you know, and we could get into the whole discussion, is it a disease? It's not a disease because – you're you're creating we've created this from the environment we we have which is this excess energy excess food <clears throat> now a positive on this mismatch is nearsightedness where in you know generations eons ago if you couldn't see well you were a detriment to the to the collective if you were a hunter gatherer you know and you were nearsighted and couldn't see you were a problem. You know, you couldn't help protect yourself. You couldn't chase prey. But we now have the case where eyeglasses, we've, we've overcome that. And now you, if you look at the, um, the data and they're not at sure as to why this is the case yet, but our higher IQ people are nearsighted, uh, or nearsighted people have higher IQs. So there's an interesting, relationship going on there but it just shows you how we've we've made that not a a problem for a person it's now become something they just can contend with 
you know, and even growing up, no one wanted to wear glasses. Now you don't even need to wear glasses. Now you have lenses. So you don't even, and it's become cool. It's become a fashion accessory. So there's an interesting, you know, everyone always wants to give you the negative of what our advanced society has resulted in, but there's a great positive. Yeah. And just in case someone doesn't know on our near sight, it is explain that just briefly. And you don't have good distance vision. Yeah. So near sight is, is, is correlated. Well, it's, Hey, that, uh, the story of the history, the story of the human body is like a history course uh, yeah. in itself. It's just really an amazing book. And uh, it, it, it helps kind of clarify a lot of things. And um, this, again, this concept of how society has evolved to a point where our bodies are not caught up yet. It just helps explain a lot of things. And, you know, his point in the book is we need to, to look at that as ways to solve our problems, uh, helps to help solve our problems. So. No, I'm looking forward to, to reading through that. I, I think it'll be. Uh, I'm, I'm big on the basics. You know, yeah. I think even with food and and uh, medicine and cl- even cleaners, household cleaners. I told my kids, look at the table of elements. That's what you need here. That's why it's. That's why we have it. Everything right. from that element table is what we need in our world here. And I, I mean, I don't know if you want to touch on this or not, but we're talking about uh, mismatched diseases. You know, we've, we've seen issues with, we're not supposed to see these high profile, highly trained athletes having heart issues right now or collapsing. Do, do we want to get into that at all today? Well, yeah, I just real, I mean, we could again go weeks on this, but you know, no one's come up with a, a valid reason for why we have had more heart issues and collapses and, and deaths in the last two and a half years than we had in the previous 58 or 57, I think from 62 to 2020 uh, to 2020, uh, there were a number, I'm going to guess it was around 12 or 1300. And I think since the vaccine has come out, we've had over eight, over 1500 or some numbers close to that. Yeah, I've got them here. I, I found them. I know we were talking about All it. All right, well, let, lay it on us. So 1963 to just to 2004. So kind of leaving a okay. gap just okay. in case 38 year period. These are athletes under the age of 35, 1,101 died from various heart conditions. So um, it, it kind of opens it up to several. So 1,101 over a 38-year period. From January 21 to now, this is as of yesterday, we had another kid. They didn't say whether or not it was uh, cardiac or not. But January 21 to yesterday, the same number of athletes, 1,101 athletes died from cardiac arrest. Okay. Almost a little over 1,100. Now we had a kid yesterday. I just saw it. Uh, Air Force Academy lineman just collapsed on campus and, and died. They couldn't resuscitate him. They didn't say what it was, um, whether it was heart or not. But obviously, if you collapse your and you die, your heart stops. So, um, but they don't know what the cause of that was yet. Has been, but you know, let's just go with yesterday's number. 1,101. Same number over a 38 year period, and that's just in a one year less, a little less than a one year period. Well, you know, again, if people want to put their head in the sand and try to, you know, twist themselves into a logical intellectual pretzel to try to explain it, uh, it's that's the the waste of time. I think this, you know, we're not I don't. And and to be honest with you, I don't think we're ever going to get to the point where that's admitted. But it's right there in front of us. It's uh, it's Occam's razor. You know, if you're familiar with that concept yeah. where, you know, the when your solution is the, the probably yeah, the one. Usually the the simplest one. I mean, it's it's so blatantly obvious, you know, you never knew you, that never happened. You know, it, you know, over 38 years, you had 1100. OK, and you don't even know 
the physical conditions and, and what all of the circumstances were there. We're, we're talking about like high level athletes and it's just every day and every week. And it's in these environments where, you know, the people are vaccinated, whether it's these media companies, you know, how many there were, um, you look last week, I believe there were two producers or within the last couple of weeks, two producers from news organizations. You had the unfortunate case with the Buffalo Bill player and you had their announcer. Their announcer also had a stroke. Now he's 67 yeah. and and that can happen. But, you know, when, when they're in these environments where people claim, you know, we have 100 percent vaccination, um, then you have to you have to own up to it. You have to admit what's going on and people are just not going to, but I think we have to keep talking about it. Yeah. And this kind of comes full circle where we start. My, my biggest issue with it is, you know, okay, let's say they don't want to admit that this could be a possibility that that's related to it. The problem I have is with people are not even allowed to question it or talk about it. It's being deemed as insensitive to address the fact that a highly trained athlete just dropped for, for a heart issue. It goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of our show here today, where, you know, we've got a lot of sheep out there. We're not training our children to be high agency, you know, figure out problems, first principle, have your own thoughts and ideas, and then really self-teachers, investigate, figure it out, ask questions. We're, we're, we eliminate that from our adults, and then we're certainly not educating our kids to it. So the fact that we can't even talk about it without, you know, people looking at it as insensitive is just, to me, is just asinine. Well, what's even worse, Dave, is let's look at the clip of the football player of DeMar. And you, it, it, you've seen harder hits than that, you know, three quarters of the game. And then you're having, you know, it, you're having people tell you they saw something that I don't think was there. I don't think he got hit that hard right in the middle of the chest. You know, when I sent you guys a clip, people should look up Earl Campbell uh, running over. I, I think it was a guy, Isaiah Robertson was the linebacker for the Rams. If a heart, if getting hit in the chest with a helmet caused a heart attack, that was the case where someone was going to get, uh, was going to get killed or get really banged up. And, and you know what, Dave, all those years where, where equipment was substandard, it never happened. All those years where guys were leading with their head and their shoulder pads were, you know, a fraction of the protection they offer now. There would this would have been happening. It would there would be some track record of it. Yeah. Um, you know. So on top of not being able to t- talk about it, being shouted down, we're being told what we see is not what we saw. Right. Yeah. That's even crazier. Yeah. And there's enough. There's enough research out there. And again, we encourage everybody to do their own homework on it. Um, don't take our word for it. Do it. But there's enough out there to show what happens to the heart upon receipt of the vaccine and, and just that adrenaline burst that happens, forget about a hit, the adrenaline that happens, you know, with an athlete just simply running or coming onto the field is enough to, as we've seen to, to cause some issues. So it's an, it's enough of a drastic number where, you know, if you want to just take the uh, presumed cause out of it and just say, geez, 1100 plus people at this age bracket died with a similar you know, end, uh, you know, over a 38 year period. Now it's happening in a one year period. Let's figure it out. That's enough of an alarming number to say, oh, maybe it's worth investigating. Yeah. And you know, it's been interesting because there, I, I saw some higher level scientists, you know, epidemiologists talking about this. And there was um, 
an, a discussion about how large of a sample size do you need before you admit there's a problem. And when you break it down, it, no matter the group size, if it was 10 people and four of them, you know, had a dire response to it, such as death or heart attack, it doesn't matter that it's 10 people, there's a problem. Um, so the fact that that number is exponentially higher uh, and there's a problem and it's not being addressed is a problem. And I think, you know what, Dave, too many people have to cover their ass. You know, we've been sold this bill of goods that, you know, it was safe and effective. And, you know, the, the goalposts, to use a sports analogy that is appropriate, the goalposts have been moved constantly. It was supposed to not, uh, you know, it was supposed to keep us from getting it. Then it was supposed to keep us from spreading it. Then it was supposed to keep it from getting out of hand. Then it was supposed to keep it, us from getting it again. And at every one of those points, it's BS. So I think we have to just keep pointing it out and hopefully we could um, hold people accountable. Yeah, and this is right up the alley of the show in terms of we're talking about, you know, performance, it's health, it's mind, it's body. Um, this is all part of it. Uh, you know, what kind of, what kind of things do you want to leave our audience with today? We've given them a lot to chew on, um, a lot, a lot to go with. What kind of things you want to leave them with today to lead into your next show? Well, you can't, we're, we're, you can't ignore it anymore. So you have to start taking care of yourself better. Um, I don't rely on, you know, uh, the, the established medical community, obviously, if you have, if we're talking about certain things like cancers and, you know, those types of things, obviously, we have a good track record of treatment. But that being said, that doesn't mean people should not understand how to take care of themselves on a day-to-day basis. Uh, and that's what I'm talking about. You should not have to tell, like, I should not get people coming to me and saying, I don't know what to eat. That's a a horrendous commentary on how, you know, our society has developed. So you have to make an effort. And like I said, check out my Substack. It's Coach Sal M at Substack. Take care of yourself in 2023. Pick a, a book or two and start reading it. And those books will start giving you the information that you could start changing your life without having to join a gym, go to a gym, take time out of your day beyond the time you're going to take to read, which you should be doing. And this isn't a plug. I don't get paid by Audible. I only spend 20 to 25 minutes in the car at a time. I'm not driving long distances, but I'm in the car all day. Uh, Take 20 minutes times three and get an hour of a book in you every day. And you could adjust the speed of the book so you could get even more than you could if you were reading it. And before you know it, you A, read a book and you B, learn something. So I really recommend that method of, of, uh, absorbing these books. Yeah. I like that. Be, be your own self teacher. I mean, I think that's, that's a message that's been pumped in the show today and question even us, make sure you're questioning us and, and check into what we're saying as well. Well, Sal, thanks again. Great show. Looking forward to the direction in 2023. This was episode 96 listeners. Remember we try to stay ad free and sponsor free which means we're not making money off of this podcast right now. So uh, we ask you to download, listen, like, and subscribe on either Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. It's at Coaching Kernan on all three. And then we just started today. We're going to be on Pratheon. If you feel like you want to support the show, we're not saying you have to, but if you want to keep this thing rolling with our six shows a week, we ask you to take a look on Pratheon.com and and, uh, donate to Coaching Kernan. Sal, thanks again for the show. We look forward to next week and great lineup this week. We have 
Our regular lineup back on, we'll have Jim Cott, Hall of Famer, on this week in Real Voices. Uh, Joe Frazero has a great guest, the play-by-play, or I'm sorry, the radio play-by-play with the Miami Marlins. And we'll have Jeff Fry on today with a unique she gone uh, where I'm going to interview him and find out what happened on Twitter and hear a little bit about his clinics coming up. But this is the Hot Corner with Coach Sal. Sal, thanks again. Great show as usual. Thanks, Dave. Look forward to next week.